There she Sorry, was. that was probably super loud because it's right in front of the mic. I love it. Right in front of the microphone. That's a it's a classic cold open. That. Mm-hmm. Literally in yeah. multiple ways. Look at you. Thanks. You know I try sometimes. It's really good. Mm. Um. Hello. Hi. 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 I'm good. I had the best day because I found a place that safely is cutting curly hair. Ooh, getting a haircut? I went and I got a haircut today. It was my hair curly was to my butt. It was so long. It was so long. I walked in and it was pretty warm today, so I wasn't wearing a hat and I walked in and my hair was down. (laughs) And this, the only people, so the way that they're running it is like, only one client in the entire salon at a time. Mm-hmm. And if you want to blow dry your hair, you're in a separate room by yourself and you have to do it yourself. Wow. But other than that, you, and so like, and they wipe down everything between people. And so it's just like the person cutting your hair and then somebody running the phone. Yeah. Um, so I walk in and the guy running the phone, as soon as I turn around, he saw how long my hair was. He goes, Ooh, honey, that is, well, you work it well. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. Thanks, question mark. And the woman who was cutting my hair walked out and she has like super duper curly hair. And so I immediately feel calm and regular. Yeah. And she was like, oh, hey, you know, it's nice to meet you. It's great to, you know, whatever. Uh, And she's like, whoa, you were kidding. Two years? And I was like, yeah, it's been two years since I got a haircut. And she's like, well, come over here. So we go over and she's like, how would you feel if I just whack off this much? Because there's no use shampooing this. And I was like. (laughs) You do it. You do you. I'm here for it. You yeah. take it all off. Just get it off of my body. Um, wow. And she was like, you know, I always feel whenever I go get my hair cut, unless I know the person very well, that I have to, like, carry a conversation with them. Yeah. And I hate it. And she was so outgoing and so, like, boys. And she, like, first of all, recognized me from a show that I was in in 2017 where I had maybe seven lines. Wow. Yeah. She was like, were you in that show with Trisha at the den called the library? And I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> She's like, I That's knew awesome. I recognized you crazy. And so then she like, we start talking and she knows one of, one of the guys that Trevor used to brew with at his old job. And so we were talking beer, we were talking theater and she was like, you know what I miss? a Sunday matinee and then getting dinner and drinks and talking about whatever show we just saw. And I was like, you are speaking the language of people. I miss that so much. It's my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, not so much the Sunday matinee part because I hate a matinee. That's fine. But like seeing a show and then immediately going out for drinks or whatever Mm -hmm. and talking Mm -hmm. about everything you loved, everything you hated, everything you would do different. I, I love shit talking love a show, even a show that. that I loved. Yeah. I love shit talking it. It's so much fun. It's best. Yeah. It's great. So it was the easiest thing in the world to talk to her. Do you know that that's why I go for like years between getting haircuts is because I fucking hate talking to people. I have such, I just, I loathe small talk. I hate yeah. it more than anything. It's so awkward and like 
Oh, it's just so fake. Like, I don't actually care about how your day was. and You don't care about how my day was. (laughs) Like, we just not do this. That was the thing is, like, nothing felt forced or fake. It was just, like. That's a dream. It was heaven. It was the best haircut. What a good, like, like post-2020 haircut experience to have had. God, it was so nice. And she cuts curly hair the way that I prefer, which is, like like some of a curl here, some of a curl here, some of a curl here. And so it doesn't like the layers don't grow out in yeah. like all together. They kind of just yeah. grow out like a fucking vine or whatever. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but uh, I was telling her, I was like, you know, I'm hoping to get new headshots in the next couple months. Do you think I should come back in for like a refresher? And she was like, honey, the way that I cut curls, you'll be fine for six months. Don't worry about it. And I was like, I love you. Wow. That's great. Yeah. So I had a very good Congratulations. day. Thank Sounds you. like you found a new hairstylist. I did. That's great I news. I love her. And she works at this place called the Broken Roller. And it's in a super cool neighborhood with a bunch of great food. So I texted Trevor and I was like, hey, what do you want from this restaurant? I'm over here. Wow. Uh, yeah. It's just, I'm so excited to have found Summer. If you're listening, oh I love you. I will send everyone that I know to you. You're an angel. Oh, just heaven. <laughs> wow. If you can't tell, my hair was driving me batshit crazy the last few weeks. I feel that, buddy. Yeah, I. my apologies if there is um, an immense amount of rustling noise coming from my end. For anybody listening, if I'm not able to edit it all out, I am. My I hurt myself because I'm elderly, so I'm propped up with, like, loads of blankets and shit, which means that I have my mic literally sitting like on a pile of blankets i was gonna ask like do you want to talk about your day do you want to talk about how you are (laughs) do you want to ask (laughs) um yeah well so so uh earlier this week on like tuesday my head was super bad and i had some sort of i don't know i thought for a little bit that it might have been cramps but like i don't think so it just my stomach just like hurt and so i like couldn't eat anything all day because I just had no appetite and I felt so awful. And then I felt way better on Wednesday. Wednesday was this like shining beacon of like, I feel like a person. And then last night I pulled a muscle in my chest because I stretched too big because I'm 85. Um, so then I played Spyro all day today because I can't move, which is great. your chest. Yeah, I did. I sure did do that, which, which is pretty stupid. A thing that can happen, apparently. Apparently, apparently so. Yeah. It turns out. I didn't. I didn't know that that was a thing that could happen. Nor did I think about the fact that like a pulled chest muscle, like right, it's like right on my sternum, mm-hmm. um, would be more painful and more inconvenient than like if you pull a muscle in your arm, because like you can choose not to move your arm, but like. Oh, but you gotta breathe. You got to breathe and like laughing, sneezing, Mm -hmm. turning, bending over, moving my torso in any way, lifting my arms because they're connected to my chest. It's just a whole it's a whole thing. Uh, It makes me feel very old. And it I mean, I guess I guess is a testament to why you need to stretch properly. Mm hmm. So I guess I've learned my lesson. Anyway, 
Oh, what are you drinking? Oh. Also, welcome to Motown. <laughs> no, son of a... I was going to be on top of it this time. <sighs> Thank yeah. you. You're welcome Thanks. to Babetown. You're welcome to Babetown. You are welcome to Babetown. <laughs> You're welcome all the way here. I've got an escort okay. for you. It's been a journey. Um, mm-hmm. I'm drinking box wine. So. Ooh, I was I thinking was, today about how badly I wanted some wine. I was which, like, doesn't really happen. Gin. Really? Uh-uh. My life. I was going to drink gin in honor of my lady, but we are, in fact, out. So... That's funny. I should also be drinking gin in honor of my lady. Oh, my God. Um, I hope badly that we are themed once more. That'd be incredible. Uh, Were you drinking in Alaska? White. Excuse me while I burp directly into my microphone. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, Alaskan white. It's the last one in the fridge. No brags. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I've been drinking a lot less lately, mm-hmm. and it's just a jer- it's wild on all different counts. Well, what year was your babe born? Well, Taylor, I'll tell you. My babe was born in 1927. Ooh, I am going first. Yay. Wow. Okay. I'm so excited about my babe. I'm so excited about my babe, dude. She is so fucking funny she has big tiny broderick energy yes it's a good time um oh god okay okay hit me are you ready to hear about florence otherwise known as poncho barnes i'm so excited you ever heard about poncho barnes i have not heard about poncho barnes and i feel like i'm about to start a new life right now yes yes so uh real quick a shout out to motherfucking boogie willis who uh, asked me if we had covered any female aviators on our podcast such as marvel crossin or bessie coleman and i was like bessie coleman yes 100 percent early on but marvel crossin no so in researching marvel crossin i found poncho barnes so Marvel will be later. Are you placing a dibs? I'm placing a dibs okay. um, on Marvel, which, again, excellent name. but Dope names all around. Um, okay. So that's a little spoiler alerty as to what we're about to find out. But uh, as I was telling Evan when I was doing my research, apparently all aviators, especially early female aviators, fucking bananas. Just I bet. Crazy. You have to be crazy that's why i do so many of them because they're the, crazy you're in the early stages of an industry where you're flying through the air using early like, stages basically paper clips and like paper mache planes outrageous okay so florence we'll call her florence to start off with but i bet she was the kind of person that everyone called flow you know oh yeah okay um so she was born july 1901 so some places said July 14th, some said the 20th, some said the 22nd. So we're rounding up and we're saying July. Sure. Um, she was in Pasadena, California. Her yeah. parents were super wealthy. So she grew up in a mansion in San Marino. She went to all the private schools. She was a great equestrian, you know, just rich people shit. Mm-hmm. So 
When she was nine, her grandfather took her to see an air show. Okay. Fun fact about her grandpa, though. He was basically the person that low-key started the United States Air Force. <laughs> oh, that's um, casual. Yeah, he was the person who invented and established the first air unit of the U.S. military during the Civil War. So he was the commander of the, like, balloon unit. And then that was the early precursor to the Air Force. Sure. Sure. So because of this and the air show, like, everywhere was like, oh, yeah, it was this air show that she saw. And I was like... And also probably that she was pals with her grandpa and he yes. was the person that he was. <laughs> like yes. probably everything a little in her life was like, but like maybe yeah. a scooch more. Everything in her life was um, like take to the sky. <laughs> yeah. So um nineteen nineteen, she is eighteen. She marries a man named C. Rankin Barnes. That's where she gets the last name from. He is an Episcopal priest, and a few years later they had a son together. Um the problem is, though, that she is motherfucking Florence Barnes, and she was like, I do not have the personality to be married to a clergyman. So every single article that I read about her said that she basically dipped out to do, quote, anything but be married to a clergyman. <laughs> <laughs> so she leaves for a few years. Um, in 1924, her mom died and left her half a million dollar inheritance. Do you want to take a guess as to what half a million dollars in 1924 is in today's money? I do. Give me one second. No, you can't cheat from your own. <laughs> half, half a million in 1927? 24. 24. I am going to guess. Oh, why did I memorize my numbers earlier? <laughs> I am going to guess that that is. $10 million. No, actually. So I did this to Evan and he guessed three and a half. It's right smack in the middle. It's $7.6 million. I almost said six. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. So, um, so she gets this inheritance and she's like, well, cool. Like now I have enough money to where I can dip out and do whatever I want. So what she decides that she wants to do is dress up like a man Mm -hmm. and travel through Mexican countrysides for four months. Yeah. And on this journey that she has, she gets this nickname, Poncho, loves it, keeps it. And when she comes back, everyone just starts calling her Poncho. So from now on, she's Poncho Barn. Yeah. Um, So I couldn't find any information about what she did in Mexico, but there are apparently a shitload of documentaries and a shitload of books that go into it. But um, just for, well, basically I'll read it later, but basically it sounds like she started to join up with revolutionaries, got wrapped up in the revolutionary movement, was like, oh fuck, now I'm being hunted by the Mexican government. Went from bar to bar to bar to bar to bar. And then finally was like, I guess I'll go home. <laughs> so she dips out. I would love to read any of those books. Dude, just a casual. There's so much about this lady because everybody was just like, what the fuck? Apparently she used to call herself the world's greatest conversation starter. <laughs> she called herself that. But that's the that's the best conversation starter. Oh she goodness. found it. Oh, my goodness. She did it. I, 
I, I'm obsessed with this lady. I want this lady and Tiny Broadwick to just like run away into the sunrise together and be like chaotic energy out in the world. Just. It's funny because it. my late, my babe ties in to a babe that you covered previously. And a crazy babe or like a regular babe? <laughs> I, I mean, one of the coolest babes we've covered. Ooh. Just they're, they're Ooh. so fucking cool and I want both of them to just like run away and be happy anyway continue I'm so excited now you'll see it she you find out early on in my story continue great um okay so do 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 sorry I have to find my spot in my notes because I was like I've like remembered all of this so now I'm like okay wait I got excited (laughs) we're so good at keeping secrets we're like oh and then when I get to mine you're just gonna find out so good at it hint hint Um, hint okay so um, by the time she gets back, she gets back in 1928, later in the year. Um, she's also received her father's inheritance because he died as well. So now she's got two big infusions of cash, and she's like, cool, cool, cool. So then 1928, she's driving her cousin to his flying lessons, and he's talking about, like, yeah, you know I'm going to be a pilot. And she's like, cool, yeah, no, me too. And he was like, what are you what do you mean? And she was like, yeah, no, I'm going to do this too. And he was like, but are you, are you signed up? She's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. And so she gets there and she convinces her cousin's flying instructor to give her lessons. She takes one day of classes. She, she has instruction for six hours and then is like, yeah, I got it. It's fine. And starts solo flying. (laughs) So casual. That would stress me out so much. Oh my goodness bless her for that courage wow. and she's just like yeah it's fine like it's fine so she because she's super fucking rich she buys her own plane she bought a travel air biplane uh in 1929 she participates in the first women's air derby which was called the powder puff derby which like sexist and gross but also like a little cute um <laughs> like i'm conflicted on it because everything's like, very complicated it's very complicated um so it was a race from santa monica to cleveland uh she was in the lead the first year that she she did it. She was in the lead, but then she collided with a truck on the runway and had to withdraw. I have so many questions and Which runway? no answers. The I have no answers for you. The end runway. Apparently it was running. I do have this answer. It was running stages. And so it was the like beginning of the third stage. How funny would it be though, if she was in the lead taking off on the first runway? <laughs> it's a truck. <laughs> Man. They're like, yeah, she just happened to take off first. She totally was in the lead, 100%. Um, so then she runs it the next year. Um, well, hang on, we're skipping ahead. She she did very many things. She did a lot of things in like a three-year window. Okay. Um, 1929, she has already won the Derby, had to withdraw, right? Later that same year, she performed stunts Wait. for Howard... She already run the derby. I thought you said she already won the derby. No, no, no. She'd already no, run it. Got it. Continue. Um, she performs stunts for Howard Hughes's film Hell's Angels, which makes her the first woman stunt pilot in the movie industry. Mm. Um, because of that movie, so she like fought with Howard Hughes a whole bunch about uh, wages and like safety concerns and shit because it's like early Hollywood, so like they don't give a fuck about safety right. or anything. Um, so because of that, she ends up later fi- founding, it's hard to put all of this in like chronological cause she did it all kind of at the same time. Yeah. Um, so she ends up founding the associated motion picture pilots union, which was one of the first unions in Hollywood. 
and wow. it established safety and uh, standardized pay for aerial stunt work. Amazing. So, cool. um, so 1930, the next year, she tries again with the women's derby and she ends up breaking Amelia Earhart's speed record, which makes her, quote, the fastest woman on earth. <laughs> yes. It was like 196 miles or something, which is like hilarious in terms of like today's airplanes. Right. But it's so fun. That's I just amazing. I just love this lady so much. Um, so racing is like her favorite thing. She does it all the time. Um, so she becomes the first woman to fly into the interior of Mexico in 1930. She won the Tom Thumb Air Race, which was along the California coast and set speed records from L.A. to San Francisco and L.A. to Sacramento. She at one point, like, because she had been racing all of these, she was like, okay, well, there's not enough of them. So she set up her own races to host. And at that point, the governor of California gave her, like, two awards being like, yeah, you're the best at aviating. She's just winning things all over the place. Really well done. It's great. Yeah, it literally was just like, yeah, she set these up and then he gave her awards because she did them, I guess. Um, So... She also, like, she's doing all of this. She also realizes that there's a niche of aviation that women weren't yet embedded in, and that was the military. So she and other women pilots founded the Women's Air Reserve, better known as WAR. Amazing. Um, She taught women training exercises, parachute drops, and medical emergency skills. Uh, So in 1934, she and five other members, which includes Marvel Crossan that we talked about earlier, um, they flew the first women's cross-country flight to promote the reserve because everybody was like all like what's the point of this and they were like we're fucking gonna show you because like we're ladies and we can fly across the country and it's great amazing so the militarymuseum.org which has an excellent article about poncho barns um says quote the women's air reserve war principal purpose (laughs) (laughs) you're killing this and i love it (laughs) <laughs> I'm an actor. I'm really good at cult reads. I've yeah. definitely read this before when I did my research. Is okay. My strong suit. Scratch that. We're starting over. So the militarymuseum.org says, quote, the women's air reserve principal purpose was to aid in disasters where it was impossible to reach people in need of medical attention, except by plane. They had uniforms and trained in first aid navigation and military maneuvers. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm sorry. All I can hear is principal purpose wait (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) i'm so sorry i'm so sorry please don't be (laughs) okay (laughs) so War consisted mostly of doctors, nurses, pilots, and parachutists who could go directly to the scene of a disaster by air and help. So she's like, there's going to be shit out there that, like, we need to get to real quick. (laughs) I'm so eloquent. Uh, 1933. Mm -hmm. She and her son purchase a ranch in the Mojave Desert. um, Because much of her fortune at this point, she had lost in the Great Depression. So she, these are, like, her last, like little dollars that she has right so eventually they expand the dude ranch into a full resort and then in the 40s she opens up a tavern slash inn for people who were stationed at people men who were stationed at Murak army air corps station um and then suddenly in 1949 the air force moves their test pilot school nearby 
And suddenly everyone is just hanging out at her dude ranch slash resort. Yes. So her business is doing great. Everyone loves it. Everyone loves her. People are started calling it the happy bottom riding club because they could go and ride a bunch of horses in the desert and then come back with their sore asses and drink a bunch of beer with Poncho. So it's the happy bottom riding club. They had rodeos, Sunday pilot brunches. They had civilian pilot training programs. They had dances every Wednesday. She would give a free steak dinner to pilots who broke the sound barrier. I love this woman. Amazing. Um, And she was just known to like come out and like drink and smoke and party with these dudes until like way early in the morning. And she was just the owner of this place that they hung out. Um, And it's like filled with celebrities because she's famous. She's the stunt pilot lady. Plus she's super well known with all of the pilot pilot let alone Hollywood pilots like so she's having people like Chuck Yeager show up and drink with her like Chuck Yeager was like a like like one of her favorite drinking buddies she had the general who ran the Air Force base just hanging out drinking with her like Howard Hughes would frequently stop by and she also has stories about the Mexican Revolution dude this lady like just yes she has stories about that that we did not even touch on like she truly is the best conversation starter she's the best conversation starter she nailed it she knew it she knew her worth um okay so because though so bad news now we're getting into the like bummer part of the story what happens we've had a great time so far Mm -hmm. so because it's so close to the air force base uh which is great for her it also puts her land right in the way when the base wants to expand so In 1952, the U.S. Air Force offers to buy her land, but basically only at the price of undeveloped desert land. And she's like, "Okay, well, like there's a lot on this land now. Like we have a full resort. We've got this booming business like we have an inn. So she requests a fair appraisal. And in response, the base, instead of being like, totally get your shit appraised and then we'll pay you. The U.S. Air Force accuses her of running a house of ill repute. So a brothel. They accuse her of running a brothel on this land. So then she's like, no, thank you, sir. So she sues the Air Force for both her business, her reputation and a fair price for her land. Good. She's like, no fucking way are we doing this. During the court battle, though, a fire breaks out, quote unquote, mysteriously. And in 1953, the Happy Bottoms Riding Club burns to the ground. Mostly. Not not totally, but like mostly. Yeah. Um. She didn't give up, though, even though she no longer had anything to really, like, be fighting for. She continues with her court battle because, quote, my grandfather founded the U.S. Air Force, which is, like, a little hyperbolic, but, like, not really by a lot. Um, So ultimately, the courts rule in her favor, granting her $375,000 for her business. I didn't look up what that was in the 50s, but probably not what it was worth. Do you have it? Do you have this super specific answer for me in your story? 300 and what? 75,000. So I'm going to, um, almost 5 million. Oh, wow. That's way more than I thought it was going to be. Okay. Well, so like maybe, um, So after that, she moves to Cantill, California, in hopes of kind of recapturing that magic in a bottle of Happy Bottoms riding camp. It's still really close to the Air Force Base, but it didn't really happen. 
Um, so in the late 60s, she starts just hanging out around the base. She becomes known as the mother of Edwards Air Force Base. Eventually, the mess hall was renamed the Poncho Barnes Room. Yes. <laughs> so cute. Um, so in 1975, she dies, likely of breast cancer, but it sounds like there were a lot of problems that she was having. Um, her son, Bill, got special permission from the Air Force to scatter her ashes over the remains of the Happy Bottom Riding Club. So he flies his plane because also he's a pilot because, of course, he is. Of course how, could, he is. how could that be your mom? Yeah. Like, not. Yeah. Um, so he flew his plane over the site, released her ashes, and then a crosswind picked them back up and spat them back into the plane. And he said, quote, even in death, Poncho Barnes still loved a good joyride. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So good. Um, so in 1995, the club is deemed eligible to be the national to be in the National Register of Historic Places. And today, the Happy Bottoms Riding Club site is a historical location for the annual Air Force Base Test Pilot School slash Edwards Air Force Base Poncho Barnes Day celebration, which is November 7th. It was first held in 1980. Every year, they do a big banquet at the Happy Bottoms Riding Club ruins. It's family friendly until 9 p.m. And then after 9 p.m., it's an adult only <laughs> raucous party in Poncho's honor incredible and that is the very cool story of poncho oh, barnes my god that is incredible <laughs> i love her isn't that so good i love her she's so good yeah can we crash yeah. that party dude please dude i bet that party gets wild yeah i bet it gets so wild um okay so real quick to source my shit let me burp first. Mm-hmm. Um, militarymuseum.org has an article called Florence L. Poncho Barnes Lowe, Aviation Pioneer. Also, like, side note, she was married four times. <laughs> yes. But, like, I literally could only find the name of one of her husbands. It was literally just, like, the very end of all of these articles being, like, yeah, also she was married a few times. <laughs> Amazing. So um, that article was written by Colonel Norman S. Marshall and Warrant Officer Mark J. Denger for the California Center for Military History, State Military Reserve. Amazing. Um, Britannica.com. The Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum had a great article about her. Um, Centennialofflight.net, written by David Onkst. Sure. Onkst. Mm-hmm. O-N-K-S-T. It's a lot of consonants right next to each other. And then um, Wikipedia. Apparently, Wikipedia's got, like, a whole little section about, like, uh, you know, all the references to her and stuff. Cause there's like a shitload of documentaries and like, there's a movie on Netflix. There it's, there's all sorts of stuff. What um, is the movie called? I need to watch it. I think the movie that's on Netflix is the documentary, but there's one that was like a lifetime movie in from 1988 that has Valerie Bertinelli playing, uh, playing Poncho. And then, um, one of them, it's not like a movie, but it's like uh, it might actually be the documentary. They they didn't have permission from the estate to make the film, but they got all of her like personal writings and stuff. So it's apparently pretty true to source. And Kathy Bates voices Poncho. <gasps> yeah. God. So I think that that's the one that's on Netflix, but I'm not 100 percent sure because there's a lot of them. But like um, apparently in Captain Marvel, I haven't seen Captain Marvel yet, which is a shame. But what? I know um, the bar that she goes to is called Poncho and it's for it's for Poncho Barnes. 
Incredible. Barnes. Incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, it's a the, great movie. Also, you should watch that. What I was going to read to you. There is a book by Lauren Kessler called The Happy Bottom Riding Club, The Life and Times of Poncho Barnes. Um, I'm going so, to purchase that book. Yeah. And the the synopsis for it on Amazon is Poncho Barnes was a force of nature, a woman who lived a big, messy, colorful, unconventional life. She ran through three fortunes, four husbands and countless lovers. She outflew Amelia Earhart, outsmarted Howard Hughes, outdrank the Mexican army and outmaneuvered the U.S. government. <laughs> obsessed oh I my god her. i love her oh my god yeah that's incredible that's i fun, cannot wait to purchase that book Barnes. with american dollars yeah Whew. stimulus check boom Ooh. find that book there it is it's 12 dollars on kindle so deal man well done what Thanks. a story what a fucking story well, get comfy. You've done well. Sit back. Taylor, have you ever heard of Joyce Bryant? No. Okay. It is a damn shame that so many people have not heard of her, but I believe that going forward, many, many more will, and I'm very excited about that. Okay. Great. So Joyce was born October 14th, 1927 in Oakland, but she was raised in San Francisco. She was, depending on the article you read, either the oldest or the third oldest of eight children. Wow. So many. So many. Her father was a chef on a railroad, so he was never home. Um, One article said that he was only home long enough to impregnate his wife. So... Oof and gross. (laughs) I hated that sentence. Oof. Yeah. Her mother was a devout Seventh-day Adventist, um, and her grandfather was a trombone player in a jazz band, or a jazz trombone player. I don't know if he was in, like, one specific band. It was apparently a very strict home, but she was a pretty quiet child, and she had hopes of becoming a sociology teacher. Adorable. Specific. Yeah, adorable. So in her late teens, she moved to L.A. to live with her cousins because she had eloped when she was 14 and the marriage had ended the same evening. I'm shocked. Right. It was described as a, quote, disastrous marriage. And like, yeah. Yeah, They're 14. Was the guy 14 as well? I have no idea. I don't know who he is. I don't know what happened. All I know is it was not consummated. And so it was annulled the same evening. Okay. Yeah. So, so all around, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So while she's in LA with her cousins, they dare her to get on stage at this club that's doing like a sing-along thing. It sounds like a group karaoke kind of situation. So she gets up there and she starts singing along with everybody. And she said after a little while, she realized she was the only one singing and everybody had just stopped and was looking at her. The manager comes over and offers her $25, which is almost $400 today to get on stage and sing alone. Wow. Yeah. She said she, yeah. Yeah. She was like, I agreed because I needed the money to get home. (laughs) Incredible. Wow. That was her first public performance. They then start offering her $125 a week, which is almost two grand. And from there, her career just skyrockets. Wow. So during the late forties, she's making $400 a week, 
performing and doing small tours and her reputation just keeps growing and growing and growing. She wants, she performed on the Ed Sullivan show. She's booking gigs. Just everything's going great until one night she's the opening act for our girl, Josephine Baker. Oh, dang. Yeah. And she was worried. Truly one of the coolest. Truly one of the coolest ladies in the, in the universe. So cool. So she's worried that Josephine's going to upstage her. So Joyce uses radiator paint and dyes her hair silver and performs in a super tight dress and a floor length mink. Wait, okay. I do know about this lady, but only because it came up when I was researching Josephine Baker. That sounds very familiar to me though. I don't know that I know anything else about her, but that description I do know. Yes. So she said that when she got on stage, quote, I stopped everything. (laughs) The silver hair and the tight backless cleavage revealing mermaid dresses became her trademark. And Taylor, when I tell you the photos are incredible. Dude, I cannot imagine. are fucking incredible. I had her on YouTube. Wait, I can't. I'm not going to. Just. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Off stage and she's like her knees are bent and the mermaid. How do you even how do you stand like that? Don't know. Oh, wow. Isn't that incredible? The dresses were so tight. She had to be carried on and off stage because she couldn't walk in the dresses. Oh, my God. This photo of her super old is killing me. Wait, wait, wait. No, we'll get there. Okay, wait. Okay. I'm just looking at photos. I'm not looking at them. Put that away. You do not get to see her old yet. Okay. (laughs) So, um, a side note about her voice. She was a jazz singer mainly. And her voice was four and a half octaves that she could just casually. I was listening to her on YouTube all day. And it's unbelievable normal things so her after that performance her career just exploded so she starts commissioning those gowns from a pioneering black designer named zelda win valdez valdez it's like valdez with an s mm-hmm. um who would go on to be the resident designer for the dance theater of harlem for three decades wow. so they describe the gowns as at once carnal and classic so she becomes known by such nicknames as the bronze blonde bombshell, the black Marilyn Monroe, the belter, but my personal favorite, the voice you'll always remember. Ah! So wow. in her autobiography, Etta James noted that she always wanted to look like Joyce. She said, quote, I dug her. I thought Joyce was gutsy and I copied her, her style, brazen and independent. Ah. Uh. Chef's kiss. Imagine Etta James being like, yeah, I wanted to be that lady. I wanted to be that lady, specifically that lady. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so now we're in the 1950s. She's making $3,500 a gig and $150,000 a year. Any guesses before I jump into it? Wait, what year are we? Uh, early 50s, 53, I think it is. I'm going to guess... One hundred and fifty thousand, you said. A year, yes. I'm gonna guess like two and a half million. Pretty close. So three hundred or uh, excuse me, three thousand five hundred a gig turns out to thirty four thousand one hundred and eighty two dollars a gig. Oh, 
My and 150000 a year is just short of $1.5 million. So she's killing it. She's on the cover of Jet magazine, and she was called one of the five most beautiful black women in the world, which also feels a bit like, like, quote, you're, you're super talented for a blank, right. you know, like, <laughs> fill in the blank, a woman, right. a black woman, you know, yeah. it doesn't yeah. need the qualification. You saw the photos. She's legitimately one of the most beautiful women I, in the world. Yeah, I. A huge period. I'm amazed by this lady. That, like, I. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So she recorded a series of records in 1952, which all sell like crazy. And she's singing all of the songs at various nightclubs and stuff. And people are going nuts for them. But two songs, Love for Sale and Drunk with Love, were banned from the radio because they were too sexy. Sure. Mm -hmm. So the next year, Life magazine had a spread of her in all these like provocative poses. People are just losing their minds. Um, that same Life magazine spread covered her performance at the Manhattan Club, the Copacabana, where Time magazine called her one of the top two or three female headliners of the day. Like, she's just, just, uh, and listening to her songs, the way that they, the way that they build, it's like slow and jazzy, right? And then it builds to this unbelievable crescendo where she is just belting her heart out it's so so good it's so yeah she was the first black entertainer male or female to book the miami beach hotel nightclub and wouldn't you know it some racists got real pissed i'm shocked Aren't you? wow so the motherfucking kkk heard about her booking the miami beach hotel and they were like, hell no. So they burned her effigy outside the hotel. And she gave them a huge middle finger and performed anyway. That's so gutsy to still perform. Yeah. I, 100% the correct thing to do. So but gutsy. Terrifying. Wow. She talks, It's I had it later on, but she talks about how she was scared to do tours in the South because there was a ton of lynchings going on. I mean, yeah, like, of course. Sure. And when she performed at Miami Beach Hotel, she was not allowed to stay at the hotel overnight, and she was not allowed to be photographed outside the Aladdin room, the room where she was performing. Ew, that's so... I mean, that's disgusting for so many reasons. Especially because she was, like, working for them. Yes, they hired her. Because so it's like want to see her. Right, right. You're good enough for us to hire you, but not enough for us to treat you like a human being. Yeah, it's wow. it's unbelievable. So by this point, she doesn't need the silver hair like gimmick to garner attention, and it's super damaging her hair, so she stops using it. Um, but by 1955, she's performing regularly in Hollywood, Chicago, and Harlem. She's just killing it all the way around. Well, a major film director of the time had her shortlisted for a title role in a film, and it just seemed like her career was just going to, you know, go on forever. Mm-hmm. Life disagreed. So her roles in various films, she had some, um, like, supporting roles, were literally deleted from those films. Her records were shelves shelved 
and the sexy songs were banned and her management started pocketing her money. So she was struggling with her voice because she was singing eight shows a day and Mm -hmm. you know, her voice is bound to struggle. So she hired a vote. Some, it was either a vocal coach or a doctor. And he was like, here's the thing. I can spray your throat with cocaine, but you'll become addicted to it. And she was like, I don't want to do that. And she was already struggling with pills. Um, She would take some to fall asleep and then she would take some to like wake her up. So she was already struggling. She was I don't want to get addicted to Coke. But her manager was like, do whatever you have to so that she can sing. And. Is this wait, is this before all of her shit was like shelved and stuff? It's like as it's starting to go. Yes. Yeah. Like as it's going down. Okay. And it was all shelved and stuff because she was losing her voice and stuff. Kind of. Well, I should have, I should have switched around the, how I told this. Almost kind of, it was the the first, it was the first (laughs) step. So she didn't want to do that. Nobody was looking out for her interest. And she started noticing that like all of her crowds, not all of them, but a lot of them were like gangsters and really rough crowds. And she, she started to hate all of the men that came to her shows and lusted after her. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them would go into her dressing room and some of them, when she rejected them would beat her. So one night after a performance, a man went into her dressing room. She rejected him. He beat the shit out of her. And then her reputation got ruined. <sighs> I just, it it and like, why was it that they could just like waltz into her? I don't know. Oh my goodness. It said it soured her fans and damaged her provocative image. It soured her fans that they couldn't she, just like. Yeah. That they couldn't just have her. Oh my good Lord. Gross. Yeah. I read that and I got so angry in so many. Wow. Yeah. So in mid 1955, some would say it was the height of her career. Some would say it was on the decline, depending on how you look at it. She was 28 years old and she just walked away. Um, she quit. Well, I wouldn't say she quit. She left. She, she was 28. She had already had her entire career by the time that I have been alive. <laughs> correct. Wow. Yeah. So she was still seventh day Adventist. She went deep into her beliefs and entered a religious college in Alabama. She started doing tours to raise money for the church. She started organizing fundraisers for poor people of color. And she started working directly with Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Wow. Before he, fun fact, before he gave his I Have a Dream speech, she sang His Eyes on the Sparrow, which as far as hymns go, one of the best. So by the end of the 50s, she was basically like completely gone from public consciousness. Um she used that time to become classically trained and she entered back into performance in sometime in the sixties within a decade. Um, she landed a gig with the New York city opera and started touring Europe as a classically trained singer. And she then became a vocal coach and ended up training some of the huge names that came through music in the seventies and eighties. In the mid eighties, a broadcaster and filmmaker named Jim Byers came across some articles about her and was like, I've never heard of this woman. So he started going to record stores and music um, industry professionals and was like, hey, who is this woman? And so many of them had never heard of her. And it was like she was literally just like removed from 
Yeah. The public memory. So he searched and searched and searched and finally got in contact with her. And I didn't write down the quote I should have, but she was like, how did you find me? Why did you find me? Like (laughs) what? She was so shocked that he wanted to hear her story. So he starts making a documentary about her and he couldn't find video of her singing. It was just like photos of her and he didn't want it to just be a bunch of stills with her singing in the background. And so word of mouth of like, yeah, she was great. Right. So he was like, I will do like, as long as it takes, I'm going to wait until I find video of her singing. And it took him years. I think he's still in the process of making it all the, articles said he's currently making it and so they were wow none of them were 2020 but like yeah i think he's still making it um so the documentary is going to be named joyce bryant the lost diva which i love oh man currently joyce is 93 years old what Uh uh-huh what wait for it taylor are you ready i guess joyce is on instagram Mm-hmm. Stop. Her niece runs it for her, but she puts videos of the two of them together and she'll just be like on her, she'll be on Joyce's shoulder and be like, how you doing? She's like, getting by, you know, like she'll just talk all of these things. And her, her Instagram bio says, quote, I'm still alive. I'm not dead. I'm 93 years old. So don't count me out. She has an autobiography coming out soon. Oh, my God. I have never followed oh. someone so fast in my life. Oh my God. What is her it's Instagram? Just, it's just Joyce Bryan official. It is the cutest Joyce thing in the universe. Bryant. She's not even verified. She's not verified. But I. Who has 2,000 followers? I love her. She's on this photo that she has. These photos that she has. I know. And people do. Why are there only like? She. That's how I found out that she sang before Martin Luther King's "I Have a Dream" speech because it's on her Instagram. She posted a photo of him and was like, "Fun fact." (laughs) Yeah. Her first post is April twenty fifth, twenty nineteen. Oh my god. Isn't that the cutest thing in the universe? Oh my god, and this like absolutely stunning photo of her. Her yeah. caption is this was done last minute back in the day, no makeup. I was natural, I rarely wore any makeup, and if I did, it was lipstick and eyeliner, that's all. With a kiss yes. emoji. Yeah. There's emojis, there's hashtags. All of it. I mean, I guess that makes sense if it's so, run by her niece, but like Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So to finish off, um, there's a quote from her website. And it's incredibly accurate. Having read a bunch of articles from various websites, I have to say it's very accurate. Often, hmm, I'm going to start over. Yay! I, that did go You well. gave me so much shit. This is Listen. why. This is why it was karma being like, it's coming back on you, bitch. Fair. Okay. Love it. Often woefully miscategorized as a quitter, Extensive research uncovers a rather different tale of a woman who succeeded in reinventing herself as an artist on her own terms, refusing to be a victim of the entertainment machine. And that's true. So many articles were like, and then she just quit. And I'm like, that's not necessarily true. She just didn't. She wanted her to do. 
Right. And also, if it wasn't bringing her any joy and was actively harming her, then Act- good. She should have quit. <laughs> she should have quit. She get into activism and yeah. then use that time to go to college and be classically trained. And then start touring Europe. Yeah. Like, excuse you. She did not quit anything. Yeah. Wow. I thought that was like the perfect quote to finish out her story. Ah, uh, boundaries. I love her. I love that. So, yeah, that's Joyce Bryant, the lost Eva. Mm. Crazy, right? I cannot wait for that documentary and her autobiography. Oh, my God. To source my shit. Wikipedia. Uh, Blackpast.org. Allmusic.com. Uh, JoyceBryant.com. And Joyce Bryant's own Instagram page. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Crazy, wow. right? Good work. Thanks. Yeah, that was excellent. Love her. That's great. Thanks. Uh, who's your babe of the week? I was going to ask you that. Ooh, I think you do it. <laughs> uh, you hit me at all the stops this week. Um, you know... I feel like I should do a separate thing with like Reagan's reads because it's always an author that I'm like, this That's book okay. is crazy. That's okay. Um, so I just finished the book untamed by Glennon Doyle. And I'm very late to this game. It's been a very popular book amongst women for a while, but for those who don't know, Glennon Doyle was a author and she had a couple memoirs and she was like in a um, quote unquote normal from the outside. What would look like a quote unquote normal Christian marriage, had a couple kids. She was a successful author. And then she was at a book event in Chicago and she said they were all at this, you know, it was a dinner or something And this woman, Abby, walked in and something in her heart said, that's her. And she immediately fell in love with her. And so she basically burned her life to the ground so that she could be with Abby. And now they have this gorgeous relationship and she co-parents with the father of her kids and they all have a relationship. And it's just like. Wow, I didn't know any of that. It's so cool. Wow. It's another one of my favorite Instagrams to follow is Glennon because she'll post like super inspirational, like writer stuff. And then her stories will be like, Abby's really mad at the TV because of something football. I don't, is your team winning, honey? I don't, she just doesn't look happy. <laughs> like it's so good. Yeah. Um, but there were so many parts of that book that were just like, it's, it's basically a huge call to leave behind what we should be quote unquote Mm -hmm. and build the life that you want because it's your fucking life and so good. And I'm really glad that I bought it because I am going to reread it 7,000 times and it's so good. And she just like made me excited to be a person this week, you know? Yeah. I think is huge, especially in pandemic times. And then I posted a photo of her book and she liked it. Oh my God. I freaked out. It was like, your photo has 11 likes. And the top one was Glennon fucking Doyle. And I was like, I took a screenshot of it. 
That's very exciting. That's very exciting. That's a good one. So great. And I'm so happy for, I'm really happy that I'm like starting to read all these books that are like, Hey, what's expected of women is crap. So be who you want to be because that's who you are. Yeah. And fuck everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Me too. Who's your babe? Uh, well, I'm pulling a you and I kind of have both. I have two. Yes. Yay. Um, and they're both hilariously Instagram ones. Um, so the first one, did you read the Humans of New York post yesterday, the day before? No, I haven't read like the last three, but I've, I keep reminding myself, like whenever you have a few minutes, go back and read those. So the last one that he posted, it's an 11 part story. And it's about this lady who grew up in like a super conservative family in Pakistan and they just wanted her to get married. And she was like, no, no, no. Like, I, it's not what I want to be doing. And so the first few are about her kind of rebelling against her parents. And then she met this guy and they were just friends and like partners, like business partners. Cause he was like, Hey, you seem really smart. And like, you want to own a business. And she was like, I do. And so then they were partners and he moved and her parents forbid her from moving with him. And then she got so depressed that they finally were like, okay, fine, we'll drive you. <laughs> And then they started this business together and um, it's just her talking about how like she uh, had to convince him, not convince him, but she had to like make him stop going to meetings with her because the investors wouldn't talk to her. And she was like, if we're going to be partners, you have to stop going. Cause like, yeah. I'm not going to just be here for this. Yeah. And he was like, totally cool. And so like she kind of forced people to like interact with her and talk with her and basically they started the shoe company. Um, so Adam's shoes, like Adam's, like, like matter, A-T-O-M-S. Um, they shifted in 2020 to making masks. They're currently running a special. They're all handmade shoes. Um, and they're so amazing looking. And her photo, I mean, like her whole story is incredible. Her name is Sidra and his name is Wakas, I think is how you pronounce it. W-A-Q-A-S. Um, I don't know either of their last names, unfortunately. I'm very ill prepared for this, but. What's her uh, Instagram? Do you know? I don't know what her Instagram is, but the shoes I think is just Adam's shoes. Yeah, A-T-O-M-S. And then um, oh, there her they are. Yeah, yeah, full there. name is Sidra Kasim. And they're just, it's just such a cool story. And it's so, exactly what you were just talking about where she was like, you know, this is, it's my life. So I'm going to live it how I want. Yes. And her parents, she was like, yeah, you know, my parents can be disappointed if they want to or not. But she was saying that the last slide is just her talking about the impact that she can see. Like her chasing her dreams, she can see the direct impact in her town and in her family. She was uh -huh. like, my sister started her own her own business for like period products in Pakistan and is making like huge waves with it. She and she was saying that her mom has like really come around and has been has finally like said that she's really proud of her. And she asked her mother what she like what her big dream was. And her mom was like, it's there's no point in even talking about it because it's too late. And she was like, no, no, no. Like, what was your big dream? And she said, well, there are so many, but the biggest thing is I've always wanted to be a pilot, 
Like she finally got her mom to like admit that she like oh had dreams other than just like Being getting married and having a family, yeah. which is great, but like not when you're told forever that that's the only dream that's you can all have, you're good for. Yeah. But that's the most that you can get. So it's just, I, it just made me really happy. It was just like an all day long thing where I was just reading about this lady and her, and her dude is very cool too. Like big hard eyes on both of them. They're just Amazing. the best. Um, and then my other lady um, is, let me look up her actual, her name is Mich- Micheline Maloof. She is a therapist based in Florida who has deep anxiety so her whole approach to therapy is like hey I know it seems kind of weird that I'm a therapist that has anxiety but that means that I get it and like here are things that really work and I can attest to them working because I have it like it works um her Instagram handle is serene micheline serene without the it's s-e-r-e-i-n micheline Mm. um and she and another therapist that she works with just started a podcast called anxious like you And they both have anxiety and depression and they're just talking about ways to cope with it. And like, Hey, here's good ways to do this. And like, Hey, you know, here are things that are symptoms of anxiety. It's not you being crazy. It's not you overreacting to things. It's because you have anxiety that you're reacting like this. Like, it's just, I only recently started following her like the last week and a half or so. And it's been excellent. I haven't had a chance to listen to her podcast, so I can't vouch for that, but I'm sure it's great. Um, so if you have anxiety and you're worried that you're a little crazy, you're not. Yeah, it's great. We'll tag her handle is kind of hard to say. So, um, we should tag it on Instagram for folks if they're interested, but it's fine. It's fine. I know how words (laughs) do, but yeah, those are my, those are so cool. This is a great week. This is a great week. week. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited for the socials for this week. It's going to be so dope. Dude. Dude. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, thanks for listening, guys. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, And if you are new to listening. Welcome. Cool. Hello. Welcome to Babe Town. See, you got it in. I did it. Good news. Um, and we're at Babetown Pod at everything. Pretty Gmail, much everywhere. Yeah. Facebook, Instagram, all of them. All the Twitter is the one that you're. Twitter is the one that I'm missing. I was like, I feel like there's another one, but I don't there know. There is what it another is. one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a review would be, be huge. Excellent. Um, you know. Man. Yeah. This is great. This was great. I'm a huge fan of this. In a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, I love you. Love you. I love this. Love you. I love you. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Um, so we recorded this episode on a day. And <laughs> the next day... I woke up to a notification that Joyce Bryant on Instagram had started following me back. And I went from so sleepy to the most awake I've ever been in my entire life. Joyce Bryant sees photos of your dog. She's, 
She's looking at photos of your dog. And now also my cats, because she followed me back, too. <laughs> and she followed our Babetown Instagram. And I just, oh, my God. I know. I know. I know. What? I know. Oh, my God. And the adrenaline, when I tell you, like, you know those shots that they stick in people that are almost dead in movies? And then they yeah. just, like, pop up, like, ah! Th- that was me waking up yesterday morning. Understandable. So, I've never been in the situation before, I don't think either of us have, where we were able to ask for the consent of the person that we were telling the story of. Even though quite a few of them are still alive, we've just never been able to to do that. And so I thought to myself, my, 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 (laughs) what a situation we have here. You know, the way people talk. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, okay. So I messaged Joyce's Instagram, who is, which is run by her niece, which I can say from experience is the sweetest person. I know that. I know that. I, it's too much. It's too much. much. So I sent this message and I was like, hey, here's who I am. We have this podcast. I told your story today, yesterday, whatever. The episode hasn't come out yet. It doesn't matter. I told your story and I hope that's okay. And also I curse a bit. Is this okay with you? Quite a bit. (laughs) Quite a bit. Is this okay? And I was like, you know, she may read this. She may, you know. Right. It's going to get may lost. Just down yeah. to the ether, whatever. Yeah. Within 10 minutes, I had a response. That is crazy to me because no offense. That means that, like, there are very few people messaging her directly, which is. Unbelievable. A travesty. Un- she should have. So many messages all the time. All the time. There's no reason that she should see like, hi, I have a podcast and be like, yes, let me engage with you. Oh my God. What sweet people. I. What sweet people that we can like guarantee, like confirm. Yeah. So I'm an just, angel. I'm just vibrating Ugh. while I'm sending these text messages or Instagram. Well, it doesn't matter. So we had a full on conversation. I got to talk to Joyce Bryant's niece for multiple minutes and in a full like it's not even just like a couple exchange like you have to scroll it's a full conversation and she gave me insights into Joyce's life we commiserated about how frustrating it was that a lot of articles just said that she like quit for no reason and they don't understand oh my goodness it was unbelievable but she did Help me clarify one point that during the episode, Taylor had asked kind of why her recordings were shelved, why she was deleted from films, why she was blackballed from Hollywood. And I now know the answer directly. What the fuck? (laughs) I'm blushing right now. Okay. How crazy is that? So when she was shortlisted for a title role in a film, the film was called Carmen. And it was between Joyce and Dorothy Dandridge, Dandridge, excuse me. And the director wanted Joyce to do a sexual favor for him. And she said, guess what? I have dignity. 
no. And she walked away. And he got pissed and literally had her blackballed from Hollywood. It, it sounded like he wanted to pressure her out of control of her own career. Yeah. And she was like, no, 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 no. That is not going to happen. It is my life. Oh. It is my body. I will absolutely not be doing this. And so she got blackballed from Hollywood for that. And that's Dorothy got the part. And I, like I, mm. the respect and awe that I am in just perpetually. Wow. How cool. Very, very, very cool. So her niece is the one that's writing her life story for the book and the documentary. And I cannot wait to purchase all of that and just soak it all up. It's so cool. It's so cool. And she might listen to this episode, which is that's crazy. Mind blowing to me. Mm hmm. I just. Okay. I'm going to try not to. Joyce. Oh, Joyce Bryant. <laughs> if you are listening to this, I hope that I did your story justice. I hope I told it correctly and well. And you're incredible. I don't know what to say. I don't. I don't know. It's unbelievable uh, to me. Yeah. I cannot get wow. past it. Right? Love it. Yeah. You too. I'm such a huge fan. Yeah. So we wanted to add that in. A little addendum to our uh, episode. Humongous addendum. <laughs> Enjoy your snow day. I will. Enjoy your okay. lazy day. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.